Welcome to Living For Him podcast, where in every episode, you are invited to experience the joy of a life in Christ. I'm your host, CJ Cousins, and in today's episode, it is my prayer that the primary emphasis and goal of the following message is that you hear and respond to the good news about Jesus Christ and his kingdom. So whoever you are and wherever you are, thank you for joining us. I invite you to listen with an open heart, subscribe for future episodes, and stay tuned for some next steps after this message. Enjoy. Amen. A beautiful, powerful. I'm going to go ahead and invite you just to bow your heads right now for a word of prayer. I hope you have your Bibles, Revelation chapter 7. Revelation chapter 7. Let's pray. Father in heaven, here we are right now before you truly in awe of your goodness, truly in awe of your watch care over us. We're reflective this morning. We worshiped you this morning. I sense, Lord, Holy Spirit, that you are here and you're moving in our midst. You want to do something special in our hearts. Someone here was here with heaviness on their heart. Someone here was, was here with a wound fresh on their heart. Someone here has had stress, family dynamics, and issues going on, health concerns, and they've come in the right place at the right time because you brought them here for such a time as this to lift the burden, to bring healing, Lord, to answer the questions. God, do for each one here that is gathered here that which they need. But most importantly, I pray that the speaker, the preacher will be forgotten and Jesus will be the one who is remembered today that your love revealed in him will be most vivid in our minds, that your Holy Spirit would be most active in our hearts today. I thank you in Jesus' name. Let everyone say amen. It was just a typical work day in the customer service call center. And then someone decided to go ahead and turn on the television. And what we all saw looked like something straight out of an action film. Many of you have had the same experience on this day. And I remember the realization came to us as we're there watching this unfold, the, real, the, the realization of what was happening hit us, and then we realized and heard credible reports of two other planes that had crashed, and, and all of a sudden, nobody could focus on work that day. And then shortly after this, suddenly, there was a cry from a woman that pierced through the air. She was one of the other call center representatives that were there, and she was discreetly and desperately searching through her phone and and, and trying to call around to find out if a loved one, who I believe was her brother, had gone into work that day in New York City at the World Trade Center. And to this day, I have no idea what happened to her brother. I remember sitting there at my desk wondering, what what, what is going to happen next? Are they going to let us go home early? What's what's going on? And and then there was a manager, a customer service manager, whom I knew to be a Christian. And she immediately began to open up 
her desk and pull out from within her desk some gospel tracts. And she immediately began to pass it around to every customer service representative there in her vicinity, earnestly saying to each one of them as she passed it out, hey, take this, read it, make your choice for Jesus today. Shortly thereafter, I'll remember her gathering several other employees into the lunchroom and huddled together, earnestly praying to the Lord about what was going on. And then just as I was, just as I was suspecting, they let us all go home early. And on my way home, I was driving, I was listening to Richard Smallwood, if anyone here is a Richard Smallwood fan, Psalm 8, powerful song, listening to that song, when all of a sudden I see out in the distance a plane flying overhead. And I was surprised by this because I said to myself, but didn't they kind of like ground all planes, a lot of the attacks? Mind is wondering. And like many of you, immediately my mind was drawn to the second coming of Jesus Christ. And I said to myself, could this be the catalyst? Could this be the thing that's going to tip things over and all of a sudden it's going to accelerate to the soon second coming of Jesus Christ. And the, the, the nearness of the, of the second coming, I don't know how many of you can relate with this from this day, the nearness of the second coming of Christ was palpable in the air for me that day. So as soon as I got home, gathered in the room, with living room with my mom and my brother, we began to pray. As of today, that was 20 years ago in South Florida. Many of you can remember what you were doing, where you were, what the circumstances were around that day. For many, it's very fresh. I'm very aware of that as I'm sharing this with you. I'm very sensitive to that. And as you're thinking today about what took place, you might be going in your mind, you know, these 20 years, a lot has changed dramatically since that tragic day. But some of you may also be thinking, but wait a minute, a lot has changed dramatically in our world just from last year, March 2020, when we're all ushered in and plunged in to this global pandemic. And, and, and it may be that, that, that as you reflect on this, you begin to realize that a lot of what we experienced just within these last 20 years Literally, like a movie script, you could see it coming right out of Matthew 24, that G, what G, a lot of what Jesus said would happen, right? It, Jesus talked about things like there would be deception, there would be, uh, there would be false prophets, there would be false Christ and messiahs, there would be wars and rumors of wars, nations rising up against nations. There would be earthquakes in diverse places, and many of us still have the earthquake that happened that devastated Haiti still fresh in our minds. We're still right now dealing with the pestilence of this COVID-19 virus and its variants. And with all of these things swimming in our minds and we say to ourselves, but is this it? What's going on? We've seen this increase of just turmoil in many different ways in our world. But then also, if you're, if you're tuned into Matthew 24, you'll hear Jesus say things to you, to your heart, like this. 
Don't be troubled. Don't panic. Don't stress out. He'll say things like, this is, this is supposed to happen. This is, this is going to happen. But don't, don't fear. Then you'll hear him say things like, you know, this is just the beginning of birth pains. All the mothers in the house know, 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 know what he's talking about, right? And you say to yourself, this is just the beginning. Okay, Jesus. Um, and while you're hearing Jesus say things like, don't, don't panic, don't worry, don't be troubled, I'm just letting you know what's coming. Endure to the end, and he that endures to the end shall be saved. You hear these things from Jesus. You may also be saying in your mind, dare I say it, God, what are you doing in the midst of this turmoil? Am I right? So what is God doing in the midst of the rising turmoil in our world? And I want to let you know, honestly, this is a very good question. It's a good question to ask. And I believe God has an answer if you'll tune in today in Revelation chapter 7. Revelation chapter 7, beginning in verse number 1. I really hope that the preacher gave you enough time to go get your Bibles electronic or print. Revelation chapter 7, beginning in verse number 1. And here's what the Bible says. After these things, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding the what? The four winds of the earth with the wind, that the wind should not blow on the tree, on the sea, or on any tree. Pause for a moment. You know, it's helpful to remember that as the Holy Spirit is inspiring the, the Apostle John, that he is employing symbolic imagery to describe realities that are being or will be fulfilled. And he will pull on imagery that comes from other books of the Bible. They say that most books of the Bible actually find their conclusion in the book of Revelation, particularly Daniel. Some of the prophetic insight there in Daniel before the book of Revelation was written was sealed. And now the book of Revelation, the word actually means to reveal, right? To, to open up right to make known and so here it is now employing this language which for instance is in daniel chapter 7 verse 2 particularly as it's describing the four winds daniel chapter 7 verse 2 will describe it this way that the four winds of the earth were stirring up the great sea or the mediterranean sea where all those four empires there in daniel 7 and in 2 will arise to power so this language of the four corners of the earth, these four angels holding back the four winds on the four corners of the earth, really what you'll, what you'll discover really is that the ancient biblical people would use this language of the four corners or four winds to simply describe what we today would describe in our compass, 
the, the, the four directions of the earth. What? North, south, east, and, and west. It's, it's universal language. Same thing with land and sea and the trees. It's universal language to say that this is a global thing. This is not localized in a particular region. That this, that whatever's being described here is happening, it, it encompasses the entire earth. And so then what are these winds that are being used to describe such a global event? What you discover is that the winds are talking about the, the human turmoil that's taking place on the earth that God is holding in check. That was a shout moment right there for somebody. The, the, the forces of evil through humanity that, that, the, that the Lord there, through these angels represented, is holding back, right? Auntie Ellen will say it this way. She'll say the, the elements of nature. Uh, she'll talk about uh, political strife, right? Earthquakes and the like. God holding them back. Holding them back. Keeping them in check. Evil does not have full sway. The devil is not fully in control. And so what we discover here is that what is God? What are you doing in the midst of the rising turmoil in this world? Well, guess what? God is actively holding back things from being far worse. God is, God is holding evil in check in such a way to keep them from being far worse in ways that we don't even really truly realize and appreciate. In other words, things could be at a hundred and really they're probably about maybe a 40, you know, a 50 maybe. I mean, I don't know how to gauge that, but God is holding evil and the enemy and the wickedness that's going on in this world. He's holding it back. He's keeping it in check. It reminds me of the first car accident that I had. My white sedan, four-door Saturn. Anybody remember Saturns? My first car was totaled. I was driving with my brother. We were approaching an intersection not too far from where we were living. They say most accidents happen close to home. That was true in this case. We're on our way. What's going on, Andrea? How are you doing? It's good to see you. <laughs> Called you out. We're on our way home, and, and, and here we are, uh, four-door sedan, on the way approaching the intersection, and as we're getting ready to hit the intersection, we're right there. All of a sudden, the green light turns yellow. And since I had the right-of-way, I just kept on going. However, on the opposite side, wanting to make a left turn, right on my end, left, on the other side is a woman in a minivan. And she, before we get through the intersection, wants to make a quick crossover onto the other street. And even right now as I'm talking to you, I see it right now in slow motion like a film, like an action film. And she slams right into the driver's side of my car where I'm driving, where I'm seated. The windshield shatters, glass goes flying everywhere. The front part of my car, the hood and everything completely crushed. And though I had glass from the windshield being shattered all over my arm and 
My brother and I were actually able to get out, thank God, alive, out of that car. And yes, though I would need some, some physical therapy for a few weeks, and, and my car was completely totaled, we had to get a brand new one, another, another Saturn, by the way. Things could have been far worse. And what kept them from being far worse than that Saturn is that, well, one, there was the airbag that came open, right? And in addition, Saturns, those sedans that the Saturns had back then, had this steel, this steel bar frame, this, this frame that, that was all surrounding the door of the driver's side. And that steel bar was what kept me from being crushed. I could have either been seriously injured, crippled, can't walk, paralyzed, or dead. And because those things were in place, it kept in check the impact of that van on my car. And I was able to walk away realizing, thank you, Jesus, things could have been far worse. So what we're discovering with these winds, and Dr. Ranko Stavanovic, who was my professor at Andrews University, and also a world-renowned scholar and expert in the book of Revelation, he describes these winds, and this actually was, was profound for me when you really start looking at it in Scripture, that throughout Scripture, and particularly in the book of Revelation, the winds actually have other synonymous expressions. In other words, there's other terms that are equivalent to this time period of the winds. You want to know what they are? Further down there in Revelation chapter 7 is the Great Tribulation. You'll also hear it described later on in the book of Revelation as the seven last, what, plagues. In Daniel, it's called, in Daniel 12, Jacob's time of trouble. All synonymous terms to describe this time period of the loosing of the winds. Which lets us know, we know biblically, that this time period has not yet happened. So what does that let us know? Right now, God is still holding evil to a large degree in check. God still reigns on his throne. Can somebody say amen? You can still keep praying and pressing into the throne room of God and say, God, intervene. And guess what? God is going to show up. God, yes, there are, he, see, he's holding back the four winds while still preserving our human free will. People still have the ability to make choices, and there's still wounds that we receive in this world of sin. But trust me, God is on the ground. He's active. He's continuously there, holding things back from being, trust me, far, far worse. Press in with God. Endure with God. You have the complete assurance of his presence with you, yes, protecting you, watching over you. You get up in the morning, guess what? God goes, Gabriel, look, they're getting up. Woo! All right, I need about 1,500 angels right now around that family right now. That's your God. So what we're dealing with, with a global pandemic and social political strife and all this stuff that's going on in our world right now is not the winds. It's birth pains. It's birth pains. So, okay, Pastor CJ, I hear you, praise God. So we're not in the time of the winds yet. But, but that then begs a question for me, then, then, then what is God 
What is God waiting for? Why is he holding back these winds? What's the purpose of this holding back of the winds? And I'm so glad you asked. Go with me now to verse number two and three. Verse number two and three of Revelation chapter seven. Here's what the Bible says. Then I saw another angel ascending from the east. Your translation may also say from the rising of the sun. And I'll just say parenthetically that in the Bible, especially prophetically, whenever it says from the east, that's from the direction of God, the presence of God, right? Jesus is described as when he returns coming from the east. Okay, so this is good news in other words. So let's keep on and find the good news in this, in this passage. All right, so I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the what? Oh, come on, come on, man. Come on, Seventh-day Adventist, come on, right now. We're in Revelation. Come on, 7, chapter 2, let's go. Shout it out for me. Right? Having the what? The seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice, megaphony in the Greek, to the four angels to whom it was granted to harm the earth and sea, saying, do not harm the earth, amen, the sea and the trees, till we have what? sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. What should have happened just now is the praise should have just broken out right now, all over. I should have just closed my Bible and literally said, amen. Anybody want Jesus? Meet me in the back. (laughs) There's so much good news wrapped up in that. And I I want you just to understand just for a second here, to really understand what just took place there in two and three. You got to understand that in in, 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 in Revelation chapter 6, it concludes with the wicked that, are, that have rejected God, rebelled against God, and are even persecuting actively God's people. It ends in Revelation, if you want to even peer, uh, just look there real quick. It ends, it concludes, Reve- previous chapter, Revelation chapter 6, with them now seeing the lamb. Now just pause for a second. When you think of a lamb, is a lamb a ferocious beast? <laughs> right? No, they're seeing the Lamb of God who died for the sins of the world. But when they see him, their consciences are pricked and they're saying, rocks fall on us. They'd rather die than see the one who saved them by grace. And they rejected it, right? So, so as they're seeing him appear at the second coming, as they see him, they say, oh, who's going to, who will be able to stand the, the day of the wrath of the Lamb? Just think of that paradox, the wrath of a little lamb, right? <laughs> The wrath of the Lamb has come. Who shall be able to stand in his presence? The king has returned. So Revelation 7 now, here's the context, is answering that question. Who shall be able to stand? And guess what we discover? The sealed are able to stand. The sealed are able to stand. Now watch this. So then, what is a seal? What is the sealing? Well, you gotta understand that seals were, were, were ancient stamps, like our modern day stamps. They were, they were, ancient, they were ancient marks, often used via a, a signet ring from like a royal official to stamp things like documents to say that they are important and they belong to the one who stamped it Therefore, that thing needs to be protected. Did you hear that? Okay, okay, so, so, so then, okay, that's a seal. 
I get that. Okay, Pastor CJ. Okay, so how do we get the seal? And I'm so glad you asked, and I actually do want you to go real quick. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 to 16. How do we get the seal? Okay, so it's communicating that something uh, is owned by someone who stamped it, and it's to be protected. It communicates ownership and protection. Come with me now. How do we get it? That sounds like something really good, Pastor CJ. All right, well, let's see what the Bible says. Ephesians, go with me there. Flip just back a few books there in the New Testament. Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. I don't want anybody to miss what Paul is about to say right here to the church in Ephesus and then down through the ages, down to our time right now. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 to 14. When you get there, let me know by saying, I got it. Hey, some people are with me this morning. Amen. Please lock in. Don't miss this. How do we get this ceiling? Verse 13. In him, speaking of Jesus, you also trusted. Has anybody trusted in Jesus this morning? In him you also trusted. After you heard the word of truth, this is not a kind of a generic truth. It's saying the truth, the, the one in who, who says he is the way and the truth and the life and what he accomplished for us. It's very specific here. How do we know? Because of what it says next. The word of truth, the gospel, the gospel of your salvation in whom also having believed. Has anyone here believed the gospel? You were what? Past tense. Past tense. You were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Who is the what? The guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession. In other words, at the second coming, to the praise of his glory. Can somebody please say amen? What it's letting you know is that once you have trusted in Jesus and believed the gospel of Jesus Christ, you then received as a byproduct the Holy Spirit. When you received the Holy Spirit, God said, that person belongs to me. God said, you are mine, therefore you have my protection. We're, the people there in the last days, and we read a little bit further on, it's the great multitude, and also described as 144,000. I wish I had time to get into that. Same group. Any questions, send me an email. But the, it's words used for the people of God that are going to make it through the tribulation, okay? And what it's letting you know is, it's saying that God is saying that, hey, don't touch them. They belong to me. They're mine. Therefore, when this thing goes down, call the winds. They have my protection. Back in the first century when Paul wrote this, those who believed the gospel were sealed. Did you hear that? In 20, whenever, whenever you received the gospel, right? Some of us are much older. So in 19-something, when you received the gospel, right? You were sealed in that moment. Did you know that? Do you not belong to Jesus once you said yes to him and he's now your savior and Lord? So then what, what, what is it talking about here in the context of the end, that ceiling that everyone else who has received the gospel of Jesus Christ has now with it, the idea of protection. Protection from what? The winds. The winds. 
You belong to Jesus because you've received him. He has purchased you with his own blood. So what is God doing in the midst of the rising turmoil that's going on in our world right now? God is sealing faithful followers of Jesus as his own to protect them during the impending just judgment. That's what he's doing. Jesus will say to Matthew 24, same chapter we were talking about earlier, and this gospel of the kingdom shall be what? Preached in all the world, and then shall the end come. Well, guess what happens to those that receive the gospel? They're sealed. They belong to God. It's like you at home, your favorite dessert. Get it in your mind right now, your favorite dessert. Your favorite dessert. You're you're tasting it right now. Your taste buds are salivating. And, and, And you want that for dinner tonight. Amen. And so what you do is you put it in a container, right? And then you put in big, bold, dark letters. Maybe you have a marker and you put your name on it. And then you put that thing with such reverence into the refrigerator. Because you're hoping and praying that everyone in your family, everyone in that household will get a very clear message. And what is that message? This belongs to... Me, therefore, don't touch it or devour it. And this is what God is saying about you. His blood was shed for you. He loves you. And when you said yes to Jesus, guess what you got? The power and protection and promise and every other benefit of the God of the universe who sits on the throne right now in the midst of a global pandemic. And he says, the winds haven't come yet, but trust me, good news, when it happens, when it starts to go down, guess what? You have my protection. Chill. I'm going to say, don't touch them. Don't you touch them. Winds plagues. Come on, coming into your mind right now should be the 10 plagues in Egypt. Am I right? Because how were they to receive the protection of God? Well, they had to put the blood of the what? Lamb on their doorpost, right? Now, someone who may be thinking more legalistically may be saying, well, yeah, they did something. They had to physically get the thing and put it on there. Yeah, but guess what? Whatever they did was just evidence of their faith. In the blood of the Lamb, God gave a promise. Put the blood on your doorpost. Whatever they did was a result of faith in the saving power of the blood. And by doing so, guess what? They were protected, saved, preserved through the judgment. Judgment and salvation are two sides of the same coin. You're saved from something that if you don't have faith in the God who's doing the saving power, you receive judgment. And so God is saying, when you think of these seven last plagues or the winds in the end where things are moving, you have the same protection that the Israelites had in Goshen from Yahweh. Because now the fulfillment of that blood, Jesus, the Lamb of God has come. And if you're trusting in him, his blood is on your doorpost. And as a result, you have the indwelling sealing of the Holy Spirit, which, guess what? According to Romans 5, pours the love of God into your heart. As it says back in the prophecies there in Isaiah and elsewhere, the covenant, the new covenant, God now, in light of the cross, is writing his law, as reflected in the Ten Commandment law, writing his law of love on your heart. 
So that as you stay in that relationship with, in, 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 with Jesus, you're growing in grace to reflect that love. Therefore, out of loving obedience and gratitude for grace, you increasingly want to be, want to be, get to, because you're in love, keep his commandments, including the fourth, the Sabbath. Therefore, Sabbath, especially as we get to this point, becomes a sign of those who are faithfully following Jesus. Kind of like a wedding ring. I'm in a relationship, and this is a sign that I'm in this relationship, so our date day means something special to me. And it becomes a test of loyalty to Jesus. That's why the enemy counterfeits this in the last days, part of his deception. He wants us to be disloyal to Jesus. See, your obedience is not what saves you. It just reveals you're in love with the Savior. Are you following that? And so what the Holy Spirit is doing to write his law of love in your heart, and then you now obey, that's not the saving act. Saving act happened 2,000 years ago, right? Blood on the doorpost. But guess what? Because you love your Savior. You want to be with your Savior every day, but specifically that date day every week. Well, the enemy's going to come and try to enforce a counterfeit. And that becomes what we know, Bible students, Revelation 13, and the mark or the image of the beast system, which is run by Satan. And it's not the mass or the vaccine. Good God, Lord Jesus, have mercy. You can have confidence in your Savior because when you trust in him and the salvation he's given you by grace through faith, you have the sealing of the Holy Spirit. And that's going to be manifested over time in your life as you grow in grace in further obedience to his commands, whatever he commands you be manifested in your life. You in your life will start to look more and more like Jesus. Love is going to be welling up in your heart instead of what I'm so grateful for what you shared about hate and division and strife. Increasingly, that should not be your witness. And if it's not, you can repent. That's okay. Jesus is full of grace and he'll take you and work that thing out. But you need to be looking right now. I'm going to end here. Is your life looking more like the image of Jesus or is it looking more like the image of Satan? Because image is synonymous with character. Character. You can have your name on the roll in the Seventh-day Adventist church. You can call yourself a Christian, but does your life, does your ideologies, does your speech, does your attitude communicate selfishness at the expense of others or other-centeredness to the elevating of others? That's evidence of someone that's sealed. So again, how do we get that sealing? Someone today says, I want to be sealed. Receive Jesus. Trust in him. Believe that you are sealed. If someone here, and I know several here, are trusting in Jesus for their salvation, they believe it's by grace through faith, as Ephesians 2, 8 says, you're sealed. And that sealing will manifest itself in protection during the winds. So you can be at peace. You can trust in your Savior until when he returns, you receive him in peace. We're going to sing a song right now. I'm going to invite the praise team to come up. As we do so, I really want you to think, not just on the words of this song, but I want you to really think 
on where you are with Jesus. This is not a message today to, to scare anybody that's, oh, there's some winds coming. I thought it was bad now. That's not what Jesus is trying to get across in the book of Revelation. And that's not what he's trying to get across in Revelation 7. Revelation 7 is actually meant to encourage people to say, hey, if I know Jesus and if I'm trusting in his merits, not trusting in my own, I'm safe. The world can go crazy and it will. But if you're in Jesus, you're in the safest place in the world. Thank you for listening to Living For Him podcast. I pray that you were blessed by this message and that you experienced the good news of the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ. I'd like to personally invite you to respond to this good news and take the next steps in following Jesus by clicking the prompt in the description. I've also created a resource to help you experience the joy of a close relationship with Jesus called the Life in Christ Daily Devotional Journal. If you'd like to experience Jesus daily, watch the good news of his story unfold throughout scripture, and do this as a weekly small group gathering, then get your copy today in print or ebook by clicking the link in the description. Living for Him exists to tell the story of Jesus for the equipping of healthy disciple makers who extend His reign of love. If you'd like to support the further development of this exciting ministry, then I encourage you to become a monthly supporter by also clicking the link in the description. Your support is greatly appreciated. You're also invited to like and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, Subscribe to this podcast and subscribe to our e-newsletter by visiting our website at livingforhim.tv. Lastly, we kindly ask that you write us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any other podcast platform you're listening to us on, and share this podcast with your friends. I look forward to meeting you here again in our next episode, where our desire is that you experience the joy of life in Christ. Once again, I'm CJ Cousins, and I'm living for him.